<sighs> okay, when you're ready to do the clap clap. <laughs> Every time you think of a new way of putting that, that sounds <laughs> more rude. And I, I love it. It's quite a talent, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jay has big grin. Audio description. <laughs> Welcome once again to It Is Complicated, the podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the title of this podcast, which is It Is Complicated. Hello, Dr. J. Hello, Josephine. How are you in this insert time period here? Which I'm realizing has become another one of our standard jokes because lockdown. Because lockdown is now going to become the next one, right? You know that. How are you today because lockdown? How are you in this time period? Because I, I am fine, asterisk. <laughs> Footnote says, because lockdown. I am okay, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Uh, I'm genuinely, actually, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I slept most of the weekend. I was absolutely exhausted. The week really caught up with me and I was Because crashed. you're running around with a broken leg. Oh, well, I'm not running around with a broken leg, which is yes. part of the point. I have, however, managed to fall over three times in 10 days, which is bad. The first time was I broke my leg. Uh, the second time was on my way to find out how badly I'd broken my leg. I managed to fall over again on the way there. Thankfully, the doctor uh, noted I did fall down before I took the x-ray to find out how badly I'd broken my leg. So had I broken it even more badly on the way there, it would have shown up in the x-ray. So we counted that as a plus. Uh, I like that positive thinking. Some might call it toxic positivity, which is a phrase that my friend Sabina taught me recently, and I'm using in every sentence. Or the last time in which I was standing up because I've been told to practice standing up and walking around, I managed to fall over and break the computer monitor that I was looking at the dear Dr. J with. And tragically, can no longer. So I'm using the borrowed monitor, uh, which is not quite as good. But Jay, you still look fabulous. How are you this insert time period? Uh, audio description, Jay, big grin. <laughs> How am I? I'm doing fine, insert, because lockdown. It's a bit of Groundhog Day. I feel like I get up and I do the same things and I sit in the same place and I do the same things. And the only thing that changes is maybe some of the conversations that I have and whether or not I've seen all of the Sarah and Duck episodes. By the way, if you want Sarah a really duck. A duck, quack! Sarah and Duck, you're watching quack! Sarah and Duck. Oh my God, that's adorable. Sarah and Duck is the best, most inclusive, most wonderful, diverse cartoon. Wonderful, wonderful ways of seeing the world in... A surreal, lovely logic that really appeals to me. Ah, oh, sweet. Oh, I have news. Yes. Uh, I get to write a PhD, Dr. J. <gasps> oh, my God. So we will have Dr. J and Dr. J or Dr. J and Dr. B. Eventually, maybe. Yes, hopefully. Definitely. Like, oh, what I do you mean? So. Eventually, maybe, hopefully. I could be Dr. B. Dr. B. 
Which is amazing. I mean, that is, why did you not lead with that news? It's like, oh yeah, it's it's like describing me, you know. Because you already is, knew where this is just this, this sort of wonderful <laughs> podcast online magic, shall we say, that we do in order to pretend that this is the first time you've heard the news. That's why. No, you're right, Jay. I should have led with that for our listeners because they did not know. Maybe some of them did, but <laughs> yes, I get to do this, Jay. I'm so thrilled. And because I'm queer and weird, I had to do that in a rather roundabout way, but I get to write a PhD now. Which and, is amazing. Um, it's wonderful. And I was day... there throughout much of the first attempt. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> that's a story that's going to eventually. I'll tell you what, dear listener, if in a little while when I've calmed down. <laughs> And I've realized that it's probably safe to have that conversation. I will talk about why I didn't finish a PhD 10 years ago and all the interesting queer parkour that I had to do in order to get to write one now. I'm extremely pleased to get to write the one I'm going to write with the people I get to write it with because it's a whole bunch of fabulous, fabulous people. Mm. I'm really excited and really lucky. And uh, yes. And it's on, is it on game design? Or is it on games? It's on game design, how trans issues are represented in games, but less so that and more about how one can experience oneself as trans in a video game. And I hope it'll be fun and interesting. I'm certainly already excited. I started because, of course, I did. And so there'll be publications, hopefully very soon. Uh, With any luck, there'll be something out in the summer that you can read. Does this mean that there's going to be a change to your introduction? It's like, so I'm a lecturer and I'm also doing a PhD on, and this means that we're going to take up an entire episode. No, we're going to do it really quickly. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you who you are, Dr. J. Then I hope that you'll ask me, you know, in that sort of Of that we have. Great. Wonderful. Good, good. Glad we got this nailed down. And then I will try very hard to do it as quickly as possible. And with as little fuss. And we can actually talk about the topic. That we're here to we have decided, yes. Dr. J, who the heck are you? I'm Dr. J. I use they as a pronoun. I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change because I work at ThoughtWorks, where I got to write my own job title because oh, the best companies do. I also have the gender transgressive, non-binary, gender queer. And I got to define that myself because thanks to New Zealand, what else am I? I'm a troublemaker, as if you can't tell, and a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. Hello, my name is Josephine Baird. I'm a scholar, activist, and artist. I used to like to make a spectacle of myself upon the stage, but now rather like to make a spectacle of myself on Instagram, where I post the drawings of queer people that I make. I also am a lecturer on video game design at the University of Uppsala, and I'm writing a PhD on trans people and video games. It's always been on the back of my mind, but it really came to a fore when I was running Queerest to the Queer, which was a festival. And one of the biggest questions that we had is, what is queer enough? Am I queer enough to come to this festival? And my answer was, if you're asking the question, you're definitely queer enough, which seemed to reassure a lot of people. But it got me thinking of, what is queer enough? Am I queer enough? Have I been queer enough? Am I doing enough queer to be queer? What is queer It's a feeling I recognize. It's a question I've heard. And it's certainly a question I've seen in many guises, in many ways throughout my 
academic career, my career as an activist to some degree, but certainly my personal life, I've seen this question come up in varied ways. And it's almost always the same in terms of its connotation and certainly the damage it does. Queer enough for what? Right? Like queer enough. Are you queer enough to be queer? Are you queer enough to consider yourself queer? By whose terms? By whose definition? It certainly sounds like a pejorative or an attack, certainly one requiring a defensive response. And I think I've seen so many of my friends, so many people I care about, wrestle with this question one way or the other. It's been thrown at me. And the times when it's been thrown at me and have been so vicious and have actually on one particular occasion just reminded me, I didn't talk to that person for some time afterwards because it was so fucking awful. They did it in the middle of a lecture hall whilst I was giving a talk specifically on having a queer identity that I felt was really positive, but like any queer identity, unfortunately could become something that becomes an in and out group. I was saying, you know, we like to think of certain queer identities, or I would like to think of all queer identities as open and accepting. And as soon as you self-define, that's who you are. And I said, unfortunately, though, by identifying something, you often identify who is and who is not part of that group. And that can become quite the weapon. And I was saying that this particular queer identity at the time was considered quite positive and open, but like any other identity could become an in and out group. And I was immediately (laughs) shouted down by someone in quite a large audience. So I was particularly upset uh, and told that I was wrong and that my experience was incorrect. At which point I said, well, I thought feminism and queer theory was about accepting people's experience of being oppressed by certain terms this did not go well (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and unfortunately stopped talking to that person for some time because i was like wow whereas i think my experience of it has been a lot more subtle because it's often been said without people realizing that they were silencing me i can remember one of the first times i went to some squats to perform and at the time I was working as a consultant which meant that I had enough money to pay my own way there I'd been able to pay for my own ticket all of that stuff so I'd been a performer that they hadn't had to fund because I knew that they didn't have much money all of that stuff and then I'm sitting there and somebody says oh and they just went off about corporates and management and things like that and I'm sitting there going this is my job You've literally just said that I don't belong in the space that I'm sitting in. You've literally told me that you don't consider me part of this group, even though I've been invited here, even though I'm somebody who's performing and you'll all come up and tell me what you thought of my performance and you're trying to tell me how great it is to be involved in this stuff, but you've literally just told me that I do not belong and I just shut up because that's my usual response to feeling uncomfortable, especially at the time. I would just go quiet. I mean, Josephine's seen me be very quiet at times in difficult spaces because I just didn't know what to say and kind of retreat away from even engaging with the people in those spaces, even though they were doing the stuff that I was really interested in, even though I really wanted to support them. And it's taken me years to be far more comfortable in reaching out to activists and going, 
what would you like? How can I support you? I can't give you time or I can't give you this, but I can give you technical resources or I can give you some cash. What's going to be most useful to you right now? And just approach the conversation in a different way. But it always feels so difficult when I'm seen as corporate. Because if you look at me, I ain't corporate. Corporates look at me and go, what is this crazy person? With their gosh darn weird ideas around inclusion. That was very PG-13 of you. Well, because they don't turn around and go, what is this fucking queer doing here? And why are they banging on about pronouns? Most of the people now are like, oh, this blue head person is very bright and bouncy. And they've asked me to use they as a pronoun. And most corporates these days are kind of relaxed about that. But that's because we've spent a lot of time pushing and pushing and pushing or should I say most of the corporate spaces I get to go into are quite relaxed about that these days because that is the price that they pay for having me there is my team go in and go this person's going to arrive and you will treat them with respect and this is what they need because that's the way that people seem to listen to it of like and this is somebody who you will address by the right pronouns. And this is somebody who you definitely want to listen to because you're paying this much per day for them. So you'll want to listen to them. But in that case, I guess the person who was saying that to you, and I'm presuming in the career environment rather than necessarily in the corporate environment, the person who was saying that to you had a very specific image in mind of what a queer person is. And that person is of a certain, I don't know what the word would be, because class doesn't function here because, I mean, because it would be presumed class because you're not middle class if you have a working class background. There's also so much presumption in there. There's so much boundary drawing that is tremendously problematic and all to do with what someone assumes you are rather than what you actually are. Mm. And in that case, I guess the definition that this person has in mind is of a very specific kind of person. Now, I presume it's in part because of a political leaning that they think a queer person should have because that's inherent to them being queer, which, well, I think there are certain political leanings that I think if you are queer, you probably will have. And if you don't, I wonder, only because there are certain political movements and parties that tend not to like us very much. And I think that you probably want to be in a club that actually wants you there, unlike Groucho Marx. So there's that. And of course, there's certain political movements that I think are more, uh, they're closer, of course, to one's opinions about what one should be. But in this case, the person's not thinking that way, are they? They're thinking this person that they have in mind is a certain way and therefore can only be that way. And if you are not that way, you are not, quote, queer enough. Yeah. And there's kind of like a boundary. And I think you mentioned something there that really made me think about some other experiences. And it's about when you're working class and your experience of education, but also your experience of vocabulary, the, the way that you're introduced to ideas and things like that, but also the amount of education that you've had. There's this whole notion that I found in some spaces of you need to be able to get up and over breakfast, have an entire discussion over the intersectionality of insert something here and to be able to have a learned opinion based upon reading insert authors here. And I'm sitting there going, well, I did an entirely different degree because that was the degree that I needed to go out and get a job. 
which didn't include a whole pile of queer theory because if you're doing science and you're working with radioactivity, they're far more interested in your ability to handle radioactivity and viruses safely than they are about your ability to understand the notion of intersectionality and queer theory. So those are the courses that you're encouraged to take. I think there's something there of like, to be queer is to be expected to have read Jack Halberston, to have been able to read Sarah Ahmed, to, I won't say understand Foucault, because nobody does, but to at least be able to quote bits or sound like you know bits and use words like intersectionality and oppression and hegemony, which I've only recently figured out how to say, without acknowledging that there are some people that couldn't be part of their education. Because you don't go to the right schools, you don't go to schools that allow you to get into the sort of universities that have those courses. The very class distinction that this person has presumed upon you would mean that you haven't had the opportunity to have the education, the time to read the authors that they may also presume that you should have read in order to be queer. But also, even swapping boundaries, people don't see working classness so I'm not seen as working class and working class is seen as something that's really not queer like I think about the queer activists who I know who are working class and they're brilliant but they're often not included in those conversations around what is queer or they're living in those squats because they have no other choice they're not living in those squats because they're doing this by choice this one's really complicated, Jay. Not that all our topics aren't, but this is where we could get into political sexualities as opposed to some sort of inherent sense of queerness as a sort of chosen queerness. I think that it's perfectly reasonable, the notion that sexuality should have to be inherent. You're born this way somehow would give you inalienable rights is fucking bullshit. And it should be, if you choose to be queer, go for it. Great. I'm super thrilled anyone who chooses to be queer. But there is this sort of political nature of that choice that some people use like a cudgel in certain circumstances. And I think you're referencing a little bit of that. Is that correct? Yes. And yet again, that's the interesting thing is that that notion of queer enough is being used in a slightly different way. But it's always being used to the advantage of the person who's saying it rather than necessarily for some sort of grand political claim, which is what they're actually claiming it to be. So if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's like queer should mean this because that's what's politically right on. I'm going to use it against you because it makes me feel better. Yeah. And in whatever circumstance that is, is fucked up. And one of my favorite examples of this is a film called Queerer Than Thou, which is a short film and is fucking hilarious. And for anyone who needs a demonstration of what that is and what this looks like, Please go watch that. It also ends in an epic dance battle. And for that reason alone, is fucking amazing. I like it already. We shall find it if we can. It's, and put a link to it. What it is. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's because um, I saw it at a queer film festival years and years ago and adored it because it said all these things to me, which was like this thing of like, well, I'm queerer because of these five things that I do. And someone will walk in and then say, ah, yes, but do you do this extra thing that I do? Now I'm X times queerer than you. (laughs) It's just so wonderfully ridiculous. And it demonstrates what Jay is saying so aptly. And as funny as it is on film, 
it's soul crushing in person. And I've seen this have an impact on you, Jay. And as much as we can laugh about it off, we can also critique it here very seriously. When it happens to you in person, it can be really upsetting. And I've been there. Like I said, I've had to do it in front of a fucking live studio audience and it's been crushing. And it's just like, hey, (laughs) fucking you. It's that gatekeeperiness of it, of Mm -hmm. like saying you can't call yourself this if you're not doing this amount of activism. And it's like, but this amount of activism is impossible if you've got the mental health and the physical health that I've got. So it doesn't take some of that stuff into account. It doesn't take your neuronormativity or neuronormativity into account. It doesn't take your life into account. It doesn't take the stuff you grew up with into account. It just says you've got to be doing X amount of activism, X amount of taking people on in a particular way. Using the pronoun it, whereas I would say them, because it like that's the thing the queerness itself does not do that but a person an individual or a group or even a large group or a clique will do that or a cohort if you will these are Sabina words that have been given to me recently. i understand cohort i know me too but they used it in such a great way that i'm now like aha cohort sorry dear listeners Sabina is someone who listens to this so Hi, Zabina. Also, they will eventually come on and join us, which will be really great. But Zabina is a colleague of mine who helps me understand many, many things. And one of the things was using this word cohort. A cohort, even a subsection of a community can think this, but the notion of queer itself does not. Because the thing is, that's a nebulous idea that you must do a certain amount of activism, a certain kind of way in order to be a certain kind of queer. That, as you rightly say, is a gatekeeper sort of definition that may be nebulous but certainly understood by a cohort in a certain community but queer itself does not require that and I like to think of queer as this opt-in terminology that as soon as you say you're queer you're queer you're queer enough by self-defining as queer self-definition is the future as Jay has so aptly told us every week at the beginning of the podcast that they got to self-define in a very specific way which I think is super fucking queer by the way and I use that term in a very specific way that only the awesome people who say they're queer can join in on but because you get to join in anyone can join the party baby ddd and now I'm recruiting Anyway, excuse me. We went do recruit. A, I know, went into a mode there. It's big and it's clever and all the cool kids are doing it. Uh, so that's a joke from 20 years ago that I used to do about being trans. <laughs> because, of course, there's the whole trans recruitment conspiracy theory mm-hmm. that we're trying to turn everyone trans. An idea that seems to never go away. And I see regularly still on Twitter, because I'm a masochist and go on Twitter, <sighs> this notion that somehow this identity has borders bothers me tremendously it just doesn't and that's the point that was the whole point of the notion of queer and queer theory when it was being forwarded was that it didn't have a border that it would allow for the the nebulous quality of the subjectivity that sexualities and gender identities given that we live in a circumstance that is so damn prescriptive can never be escaped entirely so we must be flexible queer allows for that flexibility it allows for that strategy it allows for the understanding that we live in an imperfect world that we're trying to navigate and that every aspect of that world 
has imperfections that have ethical issues that will come up that have political choices that we need to make on a constant daily and personal basis and that these are always going to be complicated that's queer not you look a certain way you sleep with these people you hang out in these bars you are this political you have this kind of job or this kind of not job and you live here because of what of where that is the antithesis of queer one of the things of me calling myself queer and coming up to that it's that kind of personal ethics thing of am I queer enough do I define myself as queer is the goal of every day to have somehow taken down the cis patriarchal capitalist hegemony piece by piece have I worked to dismantle it have I worked to dismantle all the systemic oppressions and if I can say yes to even just chipped away at it, I'm like, result, brilliant day. I've identified as queer and I've started to take down the systemic oppressions. I think there is a definition that I would propose instead, not because I think yours is wrong, because I think yours is actually excellent. But I think there are those days when one simply cannot do that. And you have to be okay with that too. And one of the best definitions I've ever heard was, was if you're still here at the end of the day, that is enough. Absolutely. So it's really important for me that the definition of being queer enough is just being queer. That's it. It is a completely 100% acceptance rate exam. <laughs> there is one question. Are you queer? Are you queer? And the answer is yes, success. That's it. That's all you need to do. So the only... Even if the answer is maybe, it's still a success. Sorry, you're quite right. I apologize. (laughs) Throw out my original grading standard. Just asking the question. Am I queer? Are you queer? Maybe. Great. Part of the crew. And you don't need to define as queer. You can just hang out and, you know, enjoy the snacks. I I don't know. Do we have snacks? We should have snacks. We should definitely have snacks. You have snacks. Especially for recruiting. I mean, oh, shit, sorry. It's almost down to, if you're even thinking of the question, am I queer? Or would I identify as queer? Or does queer fit with me? Just asking that question is enough. Because even if the answer to you is, actually, no, queer doesn't quite fit who I am. You've interrogated yourself. You've asked yourself that question. You've put yourself in that space and gone, "Mm, not sure this fits. And it's like, that's totes okay. For some people, it's just not something that they feel comfortable with. I guess we come down to the question of, it's not about being queer enough. It's just about being enough. And I think if you can be an open human being that genuinely is open to the possibility that you may be queer or someone else might be, and that that's, perfectly reasonable and acceptable and not tolerable i mean acceptable as in that's super cool and it's part of our life and our existence then you are enough if you have not come to that point yet then i'm sorry to say you're not enough and you need to work on that (laughs) (laughs) on that very rare not very rare sadly on that occasion i would say you need to do some work We know that it takes a long time to sometimes ask those questions. Coming out of queer is hard. It takes a while. As you rightly say, Jay, I think you've got a really good definition there. If you're willing to ask yourself the question, if you're capable of accepting the notion that you might be queer, and even if you're not, that it is acceptable to be queer, then you're queer enough.
That's enough. You don't need more than that, do you? No. Because it's queer as fuck as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what's more queer than that? Right? Yeah. That's like fundamentally queer, baby. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like that. You're trying to be cool. Fuck. You, you're trying to be with nail. Oh. You are. So, Jay, are we queer enough from our queer conversation of being queer? Oh, we're well and truly queer enough. I can now sit there and go, I'm queer enough. Okay. Because I've asked that question. I've gone, am I queer? And gone, yeah, I think that fits. It's almost like you try it on and go, hmm. Yeah, this fits. Well, and if it doesn't, you're still enough. But you yeah. did think about it, and you honestly asked yourself the question without that rejection. And I think there's something to be said for that. That's the hardest part, because that internalized rejection, that internalized voice is so loud mm. and can come with so many harmful rhetorics. And um, well done. I was just going to say, it's literally like trying on a onesie and going, does this work? And sometimes you try them on and you're like, nope, that's just not going to work for me. So you take it off and you try on another one and you end up in a onesie that works. All right. That, I love that Josephine just sits there and blinks at me. with. Actually, this. I was doing that thing where I was going, one, if you try on two onesies, is that a twosie? I swear to God, that's what I was thinking. Um, Neuronormativity. It's not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, so thank- on that brilliant note, what are we going to talk about next week? Well, I thought what we could talk about, if you'd like, <laughs> I can't even do it seriously, I swear to God. Jay, would you like to talk about J.K. Rowling next week? Would that be an interesting topic? Would it? Would oh, it, would fuck it? off. You can just fuck off into the sink and keep fucking off until you can fuck off no more and then continue fucking off into the fucking sun. And all your fucking friends as well. thank you dear listener for listening again it's always a delight to have you here and you two are queer enough always and we'll see you next time Good job, Jack. <laughs> <laughs>